Brothers Podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh dear brothers, sisters, friends and the foes out there We know you're out there Welcome to another episode of the Blood Brothers Podcast With your host, Didi Hussein Without my co-host, Aki Hussein But I told you about his uh, sporadic absence and presence in the previous podcast uh, He will be missed uh, Today we have a legend in the house uh, Some call him an urban legend Some call him a Dawa legend But what we do know he's a legend by age at least Alhamdulillah mm. I grew up watching this uh, esteemed individual on TV uh, and I never ever thought, and with my parents as well, uh, mainly on Peace TV, and I never thought that I would ever describe this person not only as a mentor, uh, as a brother, uh, at one point um, someone who was seen as a leader in my life, uh, especially in the field of Dawah, but also a friend. And that is none other than Sheikh Abdurrahim Green. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam, was that description okay? Or was it really cringe? Yeah, I just need that bucket to vomit in. Okay, yeah. that's fine. There's nothing to go. So let's <laughs> <laughs> look, <laughs> vomit. <laughs> but you must be used to it by now. Oh god, that was nothing, bro. That was nothing. Yeah, yeah, that was just like a, you know, that was like mild. Do you still get recognised when you float about? Yeah, I, I was in. Um, I visited my kids in London the yeah. other day in Wembley. Went to the took the grandchildren to the park and. Yeah. I were just there. I had two selfies. Two just in the little kids park. Two people came wanting to take selfies with me. And and okay. And how does that make you feel? Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's the truth. <laughs> no, bro. Like I, I just uh, it was really interesting because I was having a discussion with my daughter-in-law about uh, social media. You know the celebrity culture. I mean, I can honestly say that you know I like never. I don't really think I went out ever to be famous or like I did Dow because I felt compelled to do Dow, right? And, um, so pious, no trouble. Yeah, yeah. No, I felt it's not really I'm pious. I'm just, I'm just a coward. I just don't want to go to hell. And I thought that, um, I had to do something, you know, it's like, yeah, I just felt it was an obligation that I had to do. Um, so. And yeah, I, I don't like, and, and, but, you know, so what, like, I don't know. I, I, I just think, I don't, it doesn't it, like it doesn't bother me and it some I, like the the time that but I, I don't think it like gives me like I don't, I don't care I live in Shropshire no one recognizes me there and alhamdulillah I'm happy yeah I don't it's not like I go like why is no one recognizing me and this and that it's like alhamdulillah no one knows who I am but on the other hand if like people do the only things like there have been times where have any non-Muslims recognized you in Shropshire <sighs> Yeah, some of them know me from clippings of Times articles, but that's like okay, not right. good stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah. has everyone ever said that you look like David Cameron? Yeah. Do you think you look like David Cameron? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, all white people look the same. No, no, I didn't say that. There is yeah, a I resemblance. Know, I know. It's, it's all right. Okay. To you, all white people look the same. Yeah, to you and all, all the brownies <laughs> are the like same. You're all pink. Yeah. You're all white. <laughs> You're all overweight. You're all. That's not. True. You've been to public school. <laughs> look, let's let's look. I was going to do a warm up exercise, but you seem to have warmed up straight away, right? Well, you warmed me up. Okay. You warmed okay. me up with the tea in the chat. And, okay. There's another tea there for you as well. Yeah. So let me let me let me put a scenario to you. Yeah. yeah? Okay. Go on. You're on a boat. Yeah. The boat is a modern boat. It's, yeah. it's a sizable boat. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to give you a choice between two things okay. that you would opt. You can't say both and you can't say neither. You have to choose one. Right, okay. Okay. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Well, like, 
If it's proper coffee, what about the coffee I offered you? No, bro, no? like it's not coffee. Like instant coffee is not coffee. Like I really like you know, like it's not. It's like it's like like instant potato mash, mash, oh. mashed potatoes. It's like, not that they're bad. Disgusting. Tasty. No, it's not. It's oh, a bit, it's, it's, God. it's a bit watery, but it's nice. Especially, All right, okay. okay. That's, it's coffee anyway. Decent coffee. If it's not decent coffee, I'll have tea. Okay. Bread or bagel? Huh? Bread or bagel? Wow. That's not so easy, bro, because like I do a lot of baking myself. And it's but be quite... very careful if you don't choose bagel. You will get Yeah, I w if it's just generally bread or bagel, generally I would choose bagel, definitely. Okay, yeah. so you're not 97. <clears throat> so, uh, a tooth... No, I love bagels, bro. I make bagels myself. Toothbrush or miswok? Uh, I'll be honest, toothbrush. Sorry. I remember the boat is a sizable boat. If you had a choice between a cross trainer or a running machine, I'm not going to say cycling machine because I know you choose the cycling machine, right? Cross trainer. You've got a copy of the Quran, yeah, but you also have the choice of having a Bible or the copy of the Torah as supplementary reading. The, but the, the Torah is included in the Bible, bro. Oh, good. <laughs> okay, fine. Old Testament, so New like, Testament. Old Testament, New Testament. Okay. Well, Old Testament. Okay. It's got all that harsh stuff in it. Not so much yeah, love. Yeah, it's and it's serious. And it's got it's got both actually. But is this? But like, so is the New Testament, bro. Yeah, two Testaments have got a lot of love. The New Testament has got some serious. Well, we never hear about it. We always just hear it's all the turn the image. No, you can love your neighbour. No, and all no that. there's you know. <laughs> I've come to turn a mother against his uh, daughter, a father against his son. That's what Jesus is supposed to have said in the New Testament. Don't think I've come to bring peace. I've come to bring war. I've come to bring a mother against her. Yeah. Yes. So you can find wherever, whatever you want, bro. You want to justify, you know, slaughtering Wait, people. Yeah. Yeah. If you want. Like Jesus can turn mother against the daughter. No, Jesus. Yeah. That's what he said. Don't think I've come to bring peace. Yeah. And that's one of the things that Quraysh accused the Prophet of. That, yeah. that, that they're well, breaking like up families, isn't it? There you go, bro. Um, Boris or Trump on this boat ride with you? Well, Boris. Yeah. You had to. I pray, girl. Boris, that's the horrible <laughs> thing. Because we, we're both all ex public school boys, so we'd probably get on with each other. I'd find Trump really interesting, though. I'd like to really, uh, maybe because he'd be different, I'd find it more stimulating being with Trump. So that's a difficult one. Choose one. You can't yeah. say Oof. How long is the boat ride? Uh, let's say a week. A week, yeah. yeah. Probably Trump. Okay. Like if I if I'm like if I'd be free to talk to him and chat and like we're the only two spoken English. <laughs> yeah, probably. I'd, but I find it more interesting, I guess. Okay. So you're on this. So I, I think I know where Boris is at more. Like I'd probably like be able to get into his mind pretty quickly, whereas Trump would be more of an unknown quality. Okay. Me, so that would be more interesting. So you're on this boat, you're on yeah. this ship, and you're kind of going towards like, you know, the straits where, I don't know what it's called, where, where, where between Somalia and uh, Yemen. Is it e Eden? Aden? Yeah. The Strait of Aden. Somalia. Yeah. And, sure, and, yeah, and, and, and your, black, your ship had to bear one flag. Union Jack or the England flag? The Union Jack. Why? Why not? Like why not the England flag? I know I don't think of myself as English. Okay, I think of myself because my my grandmother, my grandmother was Scottish. That's probably actually my in terms of my blood. Yeah, if you like divide my 
that's how my parents taught me. Like I'm half Polish because my mum was completely Polish. So I'm half Polish in terms of blood. That's how my dad would. So I'm actually only an eighth English. I'm quarter Scottish. So I'm, I'm actually more Scottish than I am English. And Although from, I suppose from the Islamic perspective, if you take your bloodline from your father's side, I'm yeah. totally English because my, my paternal side is English, 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 but my, <clears throat> grandmother was Scottish. I think my great great grandmother was Italian. My, I don't like, like. Just a lot of whiteness. In yeah. There, well, it's still, yeah. yeah it's, a lot. it's still European, but like we're quite mixed ethnically. Like, oh God, really? No, you really We're like, all white. It's yeah, still white, yeah. I suppose. We're all white. <laughs> we're all white. We're all, we're all good, eh? Okay. So after, <laughs> so, so after you fly and kicked Trump off this boat. No, you, I wouldn't fly and kick him. Why? Okay. Because you're going to have to make room for the next guest. I wouldn't do something like that. I would just, anyway, okay. Okay. Feed him to the shots. Okay, fine. I wouldn't do that. And then you need to replace him with either Erdogan or Imran Khan. Oof. Wow. Well, I mean, I couldn't talk to, would I automatically know Turkish? Well, no, you, you'd have to do some broken English. No, like yeah, Imran Khan. Imran Khan, yeah? But then again, like, you know, anyway, but Imran Khan, because I, I could talk to him. Like, you I, can I, tell I, him how much you dislike cricket. Like, remember before we started? Yeah, filming. I probably would. He probably, yeah, I probably, yeah. And you can tell him how, you can tell him how it's a colonial sport and how. Yeah, he'd probably agree with me. Yeah, days, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you're allowed access to one channel, uh, and it's between Peace TV or Islam channel. Oh, Peace TV. Yeah. And. <laughs> give me a choice. Give me something like, yeah, anyway. Yeah. And last but not least. Mind you, I haven't seen a Slam channel for ages, so I don't know. It's like, anyway. Sorry, Baba Mohammed, there's nothing much has changed really. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, once you're done with Trump and once you're done with Imran Khan. Yeah. You then have to finish your concluding days either with Hamza or Yusuf Chambers. Well, it'd be Yusuf. He's my, he's my homie, man. Yusuf is my, like, long. Cody, yeah. Dude, that guy, like, we go back, we go back so long and we've spent so much time. So it's not even like a thing. Proper, we're like proper brothers, man. Me and you. And Hamza? Yeah. And Hamza? Hamza, I love him. He's an awesome guy. Okay, fine. You have I to love him. I love him. But, you know, it's like, Yusuf, it's like, it's like, like me saying, or a bit like me saying, do you like to be with your brother or, I don't know. Or, or I don't know, whoever. Okay, fine then. Me or Hamza? Hamza. <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> That's like, I just be, I, I said before this, I was sitting there in the kitchen thinking, I'm going to be trying to be really honest yeah. in this podcast. That's what I'm going to try and do. Why have you been like, dishonest in other podcasts? No, but sometimes, <laughs> bro, the propensity for a human being to deceive themselves okay. is absolutely um, tremendous. It's shocking. I'm yeah. trying to work out how so that, I am. Uh, I'm trying to work out how hurt I am, but I guess it's close. Time. Well, no, don't even try that. It's close. <laughs> even. It's not close. Right, I'm going to give you a Mio Salim Chagtai. It's like, like, like Mio Salim Chagtai. You. Uh, yeah. So, besides wearing funky suits and falling into swimming pools yeah. and, and, and yeah. like playing Robert De Niro in, in, vid in, in, oh, in, in was, new videos, I enjoyed that, man. It was, it was a fantastic I really video. enjoyed that. I was just. That was a good piece of cinematography as well. Fantastic. Yeah, I was I really impressed. And the boxing one, I was so impressed with. Quality. It's reflective of, uh, I guess, yeah. Ira's direction and yeah. their, their creative output and how they're yeah. quite realistic in a different level compared yeah. to others. But besides the funky videos, mm. are you have you taken a back seat in yeah. power? Yeah. Why? 
I think that um, I haven't taken a back seat in Dower. I think just like um, it's more to do with um, I just concentrate more on the platform of social media. Okay. Right? So it's more like I do more stuff on my Instagram, Facebook, and it's just easier. Like, why why don't I go to Speaker's Corner anymore? Because I would stand there for two and a half, three hours. Yeah, right? and, and literally I would be exhausted. And I'm t- when I'm talking about exhausted, it would take me a day. My brain would still be in a state of, I, it's hard to describe how it was physiologically, but like... You know, I'd be exhausted for the next day. I'd be totally shattered that I could hardly do anything. And it would take me three or four days to recover. And all for what? For talking to, you know, maybe a hundred people. And then people started inviting me to universities and lectures. And I thought that was just more productive, right? I'd be able to talk to more people. That's back in the days, right? Um, but you've, then, always, you've always told us and you've always yeah. told me that the best type of dawah, the, the best kind yeah. of prophetic dawah is people to people dawah. I agree, yeah. So how can Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook be a substitute for that? Yeah, it's not a substitute, but bro, it's not. But but people-to-people dower is standing up on a platform talking in front of people. Dower still then? Yeah, that's good. But I still, you know, I I mean, where I live, I still talk to people, and I talk to people who no one would talk to. Like, they probably are like, we are the only Muslims in the town where I live, Mm. right? In fact, I wish a lot more Muslims would you know go out and because it breaks down barriers so it's a different thing of course i believe that that face-to-face interaction Mm. yeah uh, making friendships you know talking to people um like that is the best way of doing things 100 percent. it's interesting but but whether when it comes to lectures like whether you're on a platform you know or whether you're on a screen how big a difference is it i don't think there's that much difference but it's interesting that you mentioned speaker's corner yeah was the first thing you actually mentioned when i spoke about that what, is there some kind of synonymous link between the two even it's just where i started no it's literally where i started bro that's it's it's more like well not started exactly i suppose the first people <laughs> where i started with my mom and dad and my brother you know my immediate family right and my friends they're the first people i gave dow to um but where I started getting up and speaking, like publicly speaking, was Speaker's Corner. That's all. That's all it was. Do you ever see yourself going back there? No, not even for like a surprise VIP visit. Um, I did once because the brothers were filming and they wanted me to go back. Okay. Um, I went back once just after nine eleven. Okay. I actually went back after nine eleven. Almost immediately after nine eleven, I went back. And what, what did you get up to? That one visit? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not something I actually want on camera. Okay, fair enough. Uh, you know, but um, interestingly enough, even on British TV, even I can't remember. I think it might have been. Um, I can't remember everyone's names now. What's that guy who did news? News? Not news. Paxman. Not Paxman. You fe- you featured in this documentary. It was mm. one of the first kind of documentaries about the future of Islam in Britain. Yeah. Are you talking about that where you did a segment? Yeah, no, I, no. I mean, I, there was a debate on TV, and the Brit- the the American ambassador was there, and people were saying, "Well, this is American policy, foreign mm. policy. It's chickens coming home to roost." They're not ex- their exact words, but they're saying, like you know, they were saying mm. on British TV, including you know journalists, were yeah. saying to the the American ambassador was nearly in tears, mm-hmm. yeah, is that this is a consequence of your 
foreign policy. Like it'd be great for people to dig that up mm. and show it. Right? Was this in the immediate aftermath? Of yeah, like literally almost straight after um, 9-11. Um, and I, I mean, I went there to, like I always have, like consistently, you know, from my wildest days, I knew that blowing up women and children is just not part of our religion. Of course not. And there were people doing it. Like we, we forget pre nine eleven, pre Bin Laden, there was um, Jamaat Takfir al Hijra in Egypt who were killing tourists, mm. you know, and um, blowing up, you know, and doing that type of stuff. And I would always condemn it, but I would, but also I would say, look, but my purpose was not just to, you know, blank condemn things. It's like, you know, we need to understand why people do stuff like that. Right? Why would you not want to understand what motivates another human being to do something like that? Why? I don't understand this. You know, like, why would you not want to understand? It's not an excuse. You're not making an excuse for them understanding why they do it. It's just like, why do you want to dehumanize anyone? They're human beings. Mm. Right? And if they've done something crazy like that, you want to understand why did you do it? Because maybe you can make sure that you do things in a different way so that stuff doesn't happen again. So, right. so, so I would say, well, I would say, look, look, these guys are look, blowing people up and doing this stuff. It's nothing to do with Islam. But look, if you were taken to a prison and tortured and you know, your wife was raped in front of you, what would you do afterwards? I wonder, you know, so it's like I'm saying like you as a human being, right? You can know something's wrong intellectually. You can know it's wrong spiritually, religiously, legally. But when you're put under that situation of complete distress and your mind starts becoming dysfunctional, how might you behave? And that's all I'm saying. I'm not justifying so it. So you're saying that when you have condemned, you've contextualized the condemnation yeah. by explaining it. Okay. Let's 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 leave the political stuff for later on in the podcast. Let me just okay. let, let me just bring you back to yeah. uh, a few things about that, well, right? Yeah. Now obviously Alhamdulillah, you know, Aira have been very busy internationally, right? right? Uh, especially in Africa. Yeah. Uh, Adnan's been out there and I see that, you know, mosques are being built, you know, even cows are being purchased to, yeah. to provide for like new tribes, entire tribes that have been accepting Islam. Um, I couldn't help mm. besides actually applauding Aira with the permission mm. of all the great work that they're doing, but I couldn't mm. help this, this connotation I had with the way the Europeans landed with yeah. the Bible on the one hand mm. and bread on the one hand and, mm. and then and then and then, and then, and then kind of like <laughs> rinsing their resources now I'm not saying Aira is doing that by the mm. way because there is no state behind Aira to be doing that Aira is mm. going to give Dawa but do you think there is an element of evangelizing or Christianizing the Dawa when you land in a place like remote in the Amazon or in Africa well listen just hang on a sec do they hold your horses Pull in the reins, yeah? Okay. You can't just slip in two words together as if they're entirely, completely sort of evangelizing, yeah? And Christianizing and like... Okay, so tell me, what's the yeah. difference between the two? Well, you tell me, what do you mean by Christianizing? Because we're not calling anyone to okay, believe so, that Allah is... Uh, uh, okay, no, 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 we're no, no, not calling anyone to believe in the Trinity or that Muhammad is the son of Allah. You're literalist, aren't you? You know I didn't mean that. Okay, but then, bro, listen. When you're gonna, when when you drive to the mosque, are you Christianizing your, no. your trip to the mosque? Because no, you're driving in a car. No, Christianizing. What I meant by Christianizing is what I clarify. Oh, the Prophet Listen, listen, bro. I, <laughs> a man came to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Yeah? He said to the Prophet, "Give me something." Okay. Yeah. The Prophet said, "You see that hill over there? It was covered in sheep." He said, "Take all of it." Okay. 
Yeah, the man took it, went back to his people. He said, oh, my people embrace Islam because the Prophet gives with no fear of poverty. That was one instance. Is, is that Christian? Like, was, the, was the Prophet like, like bro? Like That, that wasn't his manhaj. <clears throat> he, he didn't go around No, bro, it was sheep. his minhaj, bro. It was, yeah, of course it was. Of course it was the minhaj of the Prophet to help people, right? Yes. We, we, but we're not giving people cows and saying become Muslims. We're giving you a cow. That's not that's not our intention. We don't have that intention. I didn't say all. you did that, by the way. Yeah, no, but that's not that's not our. You didn't even let me clarify what I meant by Christian. Yeah, you're right. I didn't. I just presumed and then yeah, just went on the like, How is that? You're, <coughs> how is that you're grilling me on my podcast? Grilling wasn't even supposed to be part of the script. It's a podcast. We're just chilling. Okay, fine. So what I meant by Christianizing... Chilling, grilling. What I meant by Christianizing... Name for a restaurant. Chilling, grilling. Chilling, grilling. I'm sure someone's had got in the Midlands or something. Yeah. What I meant by Christianizing, and I should have clarified this, I'm sorry. What I meant by Christianizing is that there is an element of the da'wah which is exclusively about love, mercy, compassion, which is some of Allah's most greatest attributes without a shadow of a doubt. Right. Uh, I don't know whether there is mentioning of punishment and the importance of enjoining good, forbidding evil, um, uh, standing up for justice as in accordance with Islam, uh, and this whole kind of like love, mercy, compassion, constant coming... Uh, landing in remote countries uh, where there's yeah. native tribes, and once they've accepted Islam, you know mm. you're providing things like sustenance for them, etc. I'm just saying that there is, and I could be wrong. I probably am wrong, but I'm saying mm. is is that an element of Christian? I'm not saying you're calling people to the Trinity, but you're saying that's okay. That's that's legit. The Prophet did things like this. Well, look at the look at the Sirah, bro. Look at the look at the life of the Prophet Sallallahu At the end of the day, bro. That's it. Human beings are, you know, um, we are what we are. We're human beings. We have needs. You know, that's the reality. Um, if we can help people with those needs, to, so, to, to soften them in, in in accepting or listening to Islam. Brothers, is okay. What is one of the categories of zakah? Uh, to support those who are warm towards Islam, or are considering becoming yeah. Islam, uh, Muslims, or even, or even give them money. Give them money. Yeah. Okay. That's one of the categories of zakah. So that's it. No more said. It's an actual category of zakah. So you just slammed dunked me. You think you you smashed it, yeah? <laughs> I don't think so. It's just I I I don't know, bro. Whatever. I mean, I'm sure you got a good reason for asking this question. Okay. Um, do you think so? So, like, it, it, you know, do you think um, a dawah that's focused around love, mercy, and compassion should also have within it an element of reminding new Muslims about punishment and hellfire? If, who, like if 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 people don't do that, their dower is deficient, hundred percent. So when you go and when you go to the new Muslim retreat, which yeah. you do annually, and you spend come along, you'll hear me give a whole thing about uh, the torment of the grave, the I've day of judgment, the hellfire. It's all in there, bro. Shaq, you know I've been there before. I remember? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just didn't come to the one where we went through the whole description of. Okay. And yeah. and do you think it's an important aspect to remind new Muslims uh, or Soon to be Muslims or even non-Muslims. Period about this. Absolutely, bro. The prophets, <laughs> Subhanallah. Like, actually, I have a real issue with people who say that. Oh, it's not give. It's not dawah when you say to people you're going to go to hell if you don't become Muslim, because that's like what the prophet said when he stood on the top of Mount Safa. He said, "I will warn you of the fire. I warn you of the fire. I warn you of the fire." Right. Um, but people, people like psychologically. People tend to have 
like they tend to, most people tend to go one of two ways, right? They have an emphasis. Mm. Some people move towards pleasure mm. and some people move away from pain. I'm a move away from pain guy, right? You don't like pleasure, no. What? Sorry? You don't like pleasure. No, I do. But my emphasis, okay. yeah, my emphasis, right, is like I spent 10 years in a public school, bro. Believe me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that is a honestly like that is a tough life right so like you know you like, mentioned public school three times was there any yeah, traumatic memories I there? hated it bro I hated it it's uh, yeah it's very traumatic but okay. very traumatic and like it's very interesting I, I, people should seriously read and research into how public school of uh you know really mentally affects people in a bad way and like how all of most of these leaders especially in the conservative party they've all been to public really? school they're all flipping damaged yeah. seriously damaged people right this whole thing like david cameron and brexit and it's all it's all anyway i don't want to go into that but um back, back to pleasure and pain yeah so people generally have an emphasis mm. right and um you know, and and the Quran is the most of the descriptions of paradise and hellfire are descriptions of the pleasures of paradise and the pain of hellfire. Mm. Like most, like I don't, I I don't re recollect that even if it's in the Quran specifically, but you know, it's that there is a hadith where the Prophet said the worst punishment of the people of hellfire is that they won't be be able to see the face of Allah. But that is one hadith. I don't even think that that's, it's not, maybe there's an implication of that in the Quran. It's not mentioned explicitly like that in the Quran. Mm. Meaning this is like most people don't have that type of aspirational, mm. right? Mm. You know, um, that aspirational way of thinking. They don't think I'm going to go to paradise and see the face of Allah. They say I'm going to go to paradise. There's going to be 72. <laughs> I'm going to have 72 wives yeah. or 74, whatever, right? It's going to be rivers and there's going to be thing and I'm going to enjoy this and I'm going to do that. Or they think my hell, my skin's going to burn, right? And, and my face is going to melt. I'm going to drink, you know, drink like molten copper that's going to Boy, burn my insides. Yeah. And like rivers of, <laughs> may Allah protect us. From I mean, I mean, I mean. So, so this is like most people, bro. So, like, this is the so, like, people need to hear both because people are a mixture of both. Because the prophets came with glad tidings and warnings. Right? And warnings, absolutely. Yeah. So, like, if our brothers in our era are not warning people of hellfire, then the dower is deficient. You hear that, Hamza, yeah? Yeah. Staying on the topic of that, well, yeah. Now, the 90s was a, a very interesting period. Mm, um, the noughties. The naughty 90s, yeah. right? Um, it was a time where I believe, uh, and it's actually been, it's, it's been substantiated by a number of analysts and even brothers who are now in their forties yeah. as well, that it was a crucial period in the Dawah because for the first time, mm. English speaking Muslims were now talking about things which the demographic majority, for so, so 77% of Muslims in the UK are from the Indian subcontinent, yeah. yeah? Indian, Pakistani, Bengali. Uh, or in order, Pakistani, Bengali, yeah. Indians, and they either fell into two of the kind of persuasions, Barelvi mm -hmm. or Diobandi, right? right? Yeah. But the 90s was a time where we saw a massive explosion, figurative explosion, uh, mm -hmm. of the Salafi Dawah, yeah. and also groups like Hizb Tahrir. Yeah. Two, those were the two most prominent groups in the 90s. Which yeah, was and like, the Ikhwan. Yeah, the Ikhwan, but they were kind of there from the 70s. Yeah, yeah, true. And and, yeah. and they were kind of there, like even Falsis was was a kind of brotherhood kind of outfit. Yeah. But, but yes, you can say that as a result of those two dawah. Mm. The, the Ikhwan was there in the... But it also, I mean, it also... 
did sort of, like, I don't want to say explode, but it also was there. But because it, maybe the nature of the Juan is a little bit more yeah, yeah. to get in the, with... The, the yeah, long game, isn't it? They play the long of, game. Yeah, yeah. So, but, so but, 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 so but we had groups like the YMR and IFE and others, yeah, right? Yeah. But specifically regarding yourself, yeah. right? even if you didn't ever identify yourself as a Salafi... Yeah, you, I did. Yeah, of course I okay, did. Okay, you did. Yeah, do you, yeah, do you regard sure. yourself as a Salafi now? Depends what you mean, but I I would I wouldn't go around saying that, but I I do I for the people who know what really what Salafi is, I I'm happy to say I'm a Salafi, but what, maybe I should define it by a Salafi. When I say if I say I'm a Salafi, that of the first three generations. No, all I mean is that the best people, the best ones who understood our religion the best, were yeah. the Prophet Muhammad and his companions, and the ones who were closest to them. But the Abbasids will say the same. Yeah, fine. The Shia, they, might, the Shia might. Yeah, if they same. if they really believe it. Yeah. That's fine. You can say whatever you like, yeah. right? But do you believe that, right? If you believe it, then that's great. You're a Salafi, yeah. right? Because it, it's the, that's ultimately what it's about. If you really believe that, then that's it. Then you'd be ready to, you'd be ready to reject what opposes that and follow the Prophet Muhammad and his early, uh, and the early generations. But otherwise, if you're not ready to do that, you're just, it's just talk. So why, so why, so why was it okay to identify it quite confidently back then and not now? This is a bad word. It's been given a, it's been tarnished. Um, uh, it's been tarnished by, you know, um, well, it's been tarnished by people who like to call themselves Salafi. Yeah. Um, but in reality, in their, uh, in their manners and many of their actions, they, they don't represent the prophet, the companions mm. or the early generations at all. It's just become another cult. It's become another sect. So I don't blame anyone from disassociating themselves for it. And now on top of that, it's become an added dirty word from the point of view of the media, its association with <clears throat> ISIS and terrorism and so on and so forth. So for all of those reasons, um, do you think some of the I don't, I don't call myself a Salafi. Do you think some of the Dawah... I do, think it's useful. Do yeah. you think some of the Dawah in the 90s, be it Speaker's Corner or Jim Ass or the way brothers who identified themselves as Salafis back in the 90s, do you think that type of da'wah or certain approaches and language was prophetic itself? No. So it's not entirely... It was very harsh. Yeah. Like some people love everything to be harsh. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the 90s was a harsh period, right? Yeah, it was very, very harsh. It was very harsh. It was very black and white. It was... You know, it was like people say, oh, the good old days. I said they were not good old days. I said, I, I just... I look back and I just hope that the good that I did, the evil that came of what I did and said is outweighed maybe by the good that I did. Like if there was a balance of it, I'm going to feel that Alhamdulillah, so I got away. So give me some examples of <clears throat> where you think maybe the Salafi Dawah when was not exactly conducive towards brotherhood and unity during the night. Give me some examples. Yeah, I well, I don't know. I, I think the main the main problem for me... Um, the main problem for me today is uh, with that dower and, and what remnants are there of it today is that it really wasn't Salafi at all. It was basically Wahhabi, Saudi, you know, it was, it was essentially a Saudi Arabian version of Islam. Okay. Right. With, with all its cultural, baggage and everything interposed upon people living in the West. That was the thing that was absolutely crazy about it. So what do you think of MBS <coughs> with Nicki Minaj concerts and, oh, and 57? Because that's like another spectrum. Or something. That's just, just from one extreme <laughs> to the other. 
But it's what, but bro, the crazy thing is, this is what, you know, I, I'm not justifying it. I'm not saying, uh, I don't mean to say by this that it's justified, but it's. Was it inevitable? That's what people want. Yeah, because they M want it, bro. MBS's biggest constituency yeah. constituency of support is between the eighteen to twenty-four, yeah, and they're right? happy, bro. Oh, they're, they're loving happy. it. Yeah, they love it. His yeah. biggest his, his biggest support from the grassroots is the eighteen to twenty-four year olds. Yeah. So from whatever, I don't like to use the word rigid, but let's just call it rigid or steer version of Islam that Saudi yeah. Arabia now has. Now we've got yeah. hundreds of ulama in prison. Maybe yeah. some of them who you knew during the nineties, yeah. right? And now we've got concerts and Halloween. But I want to say something, bro, you know, if you don't mind me interrupting you. No, of course. Is that this is also like, it's a, it's a really, it's food for thought mm. for every parent. Mm. From the, from that, you know, from that macro level. Yeah. Right. Of a whole state. Yeah. To the micro level of our own families, personal relationship with our kids yeah. and how we impose Islam upon them. And like, that's a really big ongoing discussion. Um, within my family, right? Um, my wife is very old school, Niqab, you know, she's, she's still sort of back in those old days in many different ways. Um, you know, may Allah bless her. Amen. Um, and, and it's like a discussion that we have a lot about, um, what what do we impose upon our kids and and it's been my fear for a long time that like it because i've seen it if you if you impose something too rigid on your kids it often it can backfire and have you know the opposite effect and i think that this is the, this is really why it's so important to contextualize everything you're doing you know, what may work in one place is not going to work in another place. Can I throw a counter um, at you then? Yeah, yeah, please do. So, yeah. one, so one of the very brief conversations I had with Hamza was he, yeah. he kind of alluded to a similar point. Yeah. And I said to him, look, bro, I get it. Mm. I get it that, you know, when you re when we instill within our children, uh, you know, the importance of worshipping Allah, why Allah is worthy of yeah. being worshipped alone, etc. Yeah, all these yeah, kind yeah. of things. And not just do's and don'ts. Right, yeah. which is, I'll yeah, be honest yeah. with you, most most Asian families, it's a lot yeah. of do's and don'ts. Yeah, you yeah, kind yeah. of outsource the religious learning to the masjid. Yeah. Two hours Arabic tajweed, yeah, 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 yeah. but the strict imposition of the do's and don'ts, I would also counter that it is one of the elements which has preserved religion amongst many Asian Muslims that they remember. Oh, pray, oh, salah, oh, juma, oh, fasting. If they didn't have those strict impositions of do's and don'ts, mm. then it could have gone totally pear shaped. <laughs> Maybe you're right. I, there's, there's almost no way of knowing because so, I mean, I, I, <laughs> without, no, without yeah. do's and don'ts, without strict do's and don'ts, there's no basis, surely. Yeah. But yes and no. Okay. Yeah. Yes and no. It, it, have you imposed prayer on your children? Yeah, would I have, you, you have to, to a certain extent. Yeah. Would you say that's one of the only few things? I mean, I have, know? listen, don't get me wrong. Um, we have rules in our house, like any house. We have rules. Um, some of those rules are just our rules. Some of them, most of them are Islamic rules. And, you know, if one of my children doesn't want to follow those rules, they're not going to stay in the house. It's that simple. It's like, you, you, otherwise it's just chaos. Mm. So we have rules. We have do's and don'ts. If you want to be, if you want to live in my house, you pray five times a day. Do you ever break the rules? Not myself? Yeah. 
Why would I make a rule that I don't keep myself? Big time for all That's horrific. No, like I, I like live. You know, you gotta you gotta live by the rules. Yeah, live by the rules, right? Like for sure. Can you tell me some of these rules besides prayer? What rules do you have? Um, okay, I suppose there are rules that I give to my kids. Okay, um, that I don't impose upon myself as an adult, right? Okay, so Because it's can just I, can I hear like well, like the kids are not allowed to help themselves to crisps. And chocolate and ice cream without permission. Really? Yeah. So they can't just go in and help themselves to those things. They can have fruit, they can have toast, they can have whatever. But if they want crisps, chocolate, ice cream, they have to ask. That's a rule, for example. Yeah. Why? Because they're not healthy things. And if you just leave kids to just eat them whenever they want, that's all they'll eat. Like, unfortunately, and not they'll having, get sick. And, and not having those foods at all in the house. No, we have them in the house. Okay. I'm not like, I'm not going to take it to her because I don't say it's haram, okay. right? Okay. It's just not healthy for them to be, you know, eating it whenever they feel like it. How often do you eat ice cream and chocolates and crisps? Every other day. Every other day. I'm not, crisps are not a big thing for me. Chocolate I love, but I cut down a lot on it. And I have, tend to have 85% cocoa, mm. like, so dark chocolate. Yeah. Maybe I have, you know, um, a row a day or two, maybe. Okay. Ice cream, maybe every other day, or depends on. Hey, you've earned it. Depends on whatever. You've right. earned it. I don't know. I don't know. You've earned it. Not really, wrong. But I mean, that, that's a rule. Like, so that that's the sort of rule. Um, and there's just things we don't have. We don't have TV in the house. We we have a TV, but we'll own. We don't have you know the TV coming into the house. So it's the, the kids do watch movies, but we'll sit and watch them together. Okay. Right. If there's issue means if there's anything that I need to talk to them about that comes up. I'm not a big one. Like, obviously, they're not going to watch, like, X-rated stuff, stuff for a lot. But, like, but like if stuff comes up, it's, for me, I use it as a platform for discussion, mm. right? You know, it's so, like some magic and shirk. And yeah. that's my time to say, okay, you need to understand this is like that and this is this and okay. whatever. Um, yeah, and, and things like the internet. The kids can't just go on the computer and go on the internet and just play computer games. We actually basically almost don't have computer games. If they want to go on the computer, they have to, again, they have to get permission or the iPad, they have to get permission. Like no one gets a phone like until they're probably like 16. <laughs> like the earliest they've all got their phones is like 16, 17. You've got your only a Saudi Arabia happening there, isn't no, it? No, it's not uh, at all, uh, bro, because it's not, because it's like, it's not, it's not like that. Pre-MBS Saudi game on your well, it's to be honest, like you look at, um, what's his name? Um, the guy, in the whole Apple guy, what's his name? I've got the Apple guy's name. Dills, what's the Apple guy's name? Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs didn't let his kids have an iPad or an iPhone or whatever. So it's not a particularly, any, like in his life, it's just a sensible thing if you want your kids to, you know, take an interest in actual reading and studying and... Chef, you know there's a tea there, yeah? Just in case yeah, it's right, bro. I left the bag in there as well. I'm just enjoying this too much. But there's also, yeah. so you drew, so you drew a correlation between what's happening with MBS's new modernized Saudi and mm. how the youth have taken a massive liking to all these concerts and raves mm. and, 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 and all kind of half naked madness happening out there. Mm. And you drew a kind of micro correlation with the imposition or strict imposition of Islam or what parents understand to be Islam with children. Right. Yeah. So, it, so if I can say, is it, isn't it? Is it? 
Isn't it contextual to each family's dynamics? Yeah, for sure. And number two... And by the way, it works. Some, some families are very strict and it works really well with them and their kids turn out awesome. Some of them go the opposite way and they just rebel and they become the most... I mean, I've seen it. Everyone's different. Everyone yeah. is different. So I've, I've, I've seen... Like you, even every kid within the family is different. But yes. that, that, that makes it really hard because... You know, I mean, this is the this is the issue that you you have as a parent. The issue that you have as a parent is how do you treat one kid with? Because it's not you can't. You have to think about this child's behavior as an influence on everybody else's behavior. So are you saying par- so, so are you saying parenting differs with each child? Yeah, it does. But you also have to think about this. This is this is why it's very interesting. Well, maybe this is why you know. Getting married is half of your dean because you begin to understand and contextualize the reality of. At the end of the day, you're a little, you're a little king. Mm. You know, you're a little king and queen in your house. You've got your little kingdom. You're ruling it, right? And then, but but it's true. You really then you begin to realize that religion is not just a personal thing, right? Whether a person follows religion or doesn't impacts upon everybody else. Their behavior impacts on all those other children, right? And you have to make judgment calls about how much you're going to tolerate. Because if you let this kid get away with it, every other kid thinks, oh, that's acceptable and I can behave like that. But on the other hand, if you treat that kid too harsh, that kid's going to go off into nether netherland and like fall into something even more horrific and it's it's very very difficult it's very very challenging so your parenting as a father then has that changed from the naughty 90s when you were overtly, absolutely when you when you were overtly self-identifying as a salafi to yeah. now oh gosh yes so, so now as a cycler in, sh- in the forest of shock yeah it's changed a lot it changed a lot so how was how's being how's abdurrahim green as a father doing the naughty 90s as a storage salafi hyde park speakers corner guy I was much, much stricter, much more rigid, um, much tough. Maybe because my two eldest, like, I guess because my two eldest kids were boys. Yeah. And you can be a little bit strict with boys. Like, I was always soft with my girls, right? I could, like, really soft with them anyway. Um, So maybe that's partly to do with it. And it's just the Qadrullah, the way it is, you know, like, I I, I don't know. I mean, mate, what, is it because they were boys? I could get away with it. And it just combined with the way I was. Alhamdulillah, it turned out that way. <laughs> because my, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just definitely a little bit more, um, I'm less, yeah, I'm definitely less isn't, isn't rigid that with, with them. Isn't that to do with age, age and maturity? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because... I, I could still be on that tip. Okay. Right? Couldn't I? Like, why not? There are plenty of people who still are. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've reached old age and they haven't changed at all. So I do think it is, um, you know, I, I never really know that I'm doing the right thing. I'll be absolutely honest, bro. Mm. I'm just, I, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm making it up as I go along. I'm just doing my best. That's okay. it. I'm doing my best to navigate. And I look back and I, 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 I really don't know whether I'm doing the right thing or not. Maybe the way I was was better. Maybe it's not. I don't know. All I can do is try and be sincere and try and think, you know, I'm just trying to bring the best outcome that I can with the knowledge that I've got and the understanding that I've got. I'll be honest with you. I preferred Abdurrahim Green who said democracy was a satanic system of kufr. I, I preferred that. I don't thing. think I did. I say that those are the exact words that I used. I think you should quote me precisely. <laughs> 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 
Okay, maybe it was harsher than that. By the way, look. Okay, no, so it wasn't. It wasn't, was it? No, it was. I mean, bro, I. I... <laughs> <laughs> well, you said something along those lines, bro. Democracy. If you mean by, I, this is what I've always said. If you mean by democracy, the rule of people and that people can decide what is halal and haram, yeah, yeah then that's usurping the the right of Allah. Yeah, yeah. And Allah is the sovereign. We believe as Muslims, He is the one who determines lawful and un, un, unlawful. No one has the right to usurp that, bro. Yeah, that's, that was the old kind of year, mate. Right, no, nothing's changed. No, I never changed about that, bro. This is like that's like abandoning your iman or something, bro. <laughs> Were you less usuli and less nuanced back in the nineties? I don't even know what does that mean, less usuli, bro. Uh, less usuli means perhaps you were less tolerant of differences of opinion. Of, yes, of, of, yeah. the, of, of the other Definitely. four schools, and, and that to, I'll be honest, bro, that is literally growing in knowledge. Yeah, T- to come across. You know, to, to keep reading and studying and then you start finding out that things you thought were, that's it, it's haram. Mm. Well, actually, there's two or three opinions. And like, how about when you actually flip and you change your change opinion yeah. and you like that thing that you used to think haram right now, you realize it's haram and vi- halal and vice versa. And then you start to realize you get very, very like, I, I like to criticize anybody. Um, and especially someone with knowledge, uh, there's things I really regret. Um, my attitudes and even things I said about some scholars, um, who didn't agree with our, you know, Salafi position in those days. Um, would you ever, if, if given the opportunity, would you ever reconcile, maybe apologize and rebuild brotherhood with some of the people that you called out as Muqtadi and Ahlul Bidda and all this kind of madness? Yeah, for sure. Like I think I have anyway. You have, yeah? Yeah, I'm sure. That's wicked. That's really nice. Yeah. Um, so, tell me some nice things from the 90s. You seem to dislike the 90s a lot. <laughs> Tell me something nice. I don't 90s. know. I didn't dislike it. I, I just think that. Um, did you ever speak at Jimas? The Jimas conferences? Of course, bro. I was flipping. Did you like Jimas? Bro, I was like high up in the whole hierarchy of Jimas, bro. I was like. like so, did you enjoy the Jimas retreats? Usually in Leicester, I think. It was in Leicester, I think. Yeah, right? I did. Did you like they were, they were They were really inspirational, motivational. And it was a lot. It, it was not so much about the. You know the, the speeches. It was more about the atmosphere and all the Muslims being together, and that was just fantastic. Okay, so that's a good thing. From it that was period. no, it was good. There was it, not everything was bad, bro. Well, we 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 were very into knowledge. We were very into studying. So Subhanallah, was a lot of really serious, and I believe, inshallah, sincere studying, seeking knowledge, uh, aiming to get to the heart of what is authentic. I haven't, you know, that stuff is really good. That as an ethos is really good. Trying to sort out the, you know, the chaff from the wheat, so mm-hmm. to speak, and and what is Islam really about, and 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 trying to get back to those original sources. I think those are really, really, really good and positive things, and and that hasn't changed at all. I think that's a a good thing. But the fact that it was channeled through a very, very narrow viewpoint, mm-hmm. and and in fact, in many instances, we were pre- prevented. I don't want to start naming names and getting into specifics, but we were prevented from looking beyond that. We were actually told, no, you know, not this, not that. Don't look there. Don't look there. Um, so as, as the whole system broke down a bit, you know, one, one looked further and researched further and read further and then realized that, yeah, things were not quite so black and white. Do you think one of the outcomes of, 
you know, many of the respected elders from the, the Salafi Dao of the 90s mm-hmm. and even from the other groups and movements that were active back mm-hmm. in that period, that our reality as Muslims living in the UK has yeah. necessitated that we actually start working together. Whereas Absolutely. 10, years, 10 years ago, you wouldn't be seen dead. Absolutely. Yes, it's, it's one, I think it's a great thing. It's really good. <laughs> you know, I'm so happy. It's like that. I mean, I, you know, like, I mean, people like Abdul Wahid, you know, like I've always got on with him, even though like, even back in the days, like maybe we didn't meet too much. Like when I first started practicing, I was quite in with his Tahri and I was literally that close to like, getting on board full time. Yeah. Um but there are a few things that like put me off big time. Um so like it was like bro I could get into this. It was like bro this people were we were so people were so messed up, bro. I'll give you an example. Go on. Yeah, I'll give you an example of how messed up people were, right? Their brothers, Salafi brothers, so called Salafi, I gotta say Salafi brothers, yeah. like people who are attaching themselves yeah. to the Salafi Minhaj saying there's no Khilafah in Islam. And the only reason they say that is because Hizbut Tahrir were talking about Khilafah and Hizbut Tahrir were the object of a lot of our, you know, our Aqidah, not anger, Aqidah battles. Because they were, they were, they didn't have Iman in, you know, the torment of the grave, but they made Tasdiq of it. Yeah. And like all these little things, whether you have Tasdiq or Iman and this and that. And like, you know, so this was the object of all of our like battles and our arguments. And, and just because of, because brothers saw this, they thought, oh yeah, Khilaf is not part of Islam. It's like, like, okay, I'm saying, what are you talking about, bro? Even that woman is like, what are you going on about? But that, like, that's to show how like messed up the whole thing was, right? Um, and it was just like, it's just like a cult, just people following. And like, that was the crazy thing. And I remember standing up in a, you know, like in a private meeting in a gymnast conference and, and basically, you know, it wasn't actually, it was in a, one of the Shura meetings and saying, we say we don't have to clean, but, we, we, there's taqlid like we're all making this taqlid we say we don't have bayah but we have it it's just hidden yeah, yeah? like all the things we criticize other people for we we're do just it. doing it but just in a way that we're just refusing to acknowledge that that's what's going on <sighs> messed up bro messed up stuff so so most of the kind of dawa battlefields yeah as you'd like mm. to know as, as you can describe it in the nice was it just with HG? Was there other groups as well? Obviously, they were quite prominent in university campuses and colleges and yeah, stuff like well, that. Well, no, I think HT, Ikhwan, definitely. There was a big beef with Ikhwan and HT, um, the Shia, obviously. Of course. Was a, you know, that was a, obviously a, a, a major Sufis. Okay, standard. Yeah, the Sufis. Um, so there wasn't really anyone that was kind of... And then the whole blind following of a madhab thing, that was a big thing. Oh, so gosh. that that sort of drags it, look, almost everybody. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, I. It's amazing that people tolerated us at all. Come to so fifteen from. years on, yeah, I know that you have warm brotherly relationships. With, yeah, with senior guys from a lot of these backgrounds. Right? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, right? Well, we're brothers, bro. But right? that didn't apply back in the nineties, really. Except- but it didn't, and that's what's dangerous, bro. Yeah. Like that's the dangerous thing is that you could look at because you start have this label of muptadir, yeah. right? And then you start treating someone as all like maybe they're even worse than a kafir, yeah. right? They're more dangerous. They're like that actually that's the thing. They're more dangerous to Islam than the kuffar, because the kuffar, the kuffar is open, was yeah. the muptadir, you know, yeah. it becomes like this type of thinking. Yeah, you yeah. see, this binary thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um and and like Bro, it still goes on today, right? I'm sorry. 
right? And this is not just amongst the Salafis. This is in any Hizb, yeah, any Hizbi group, yeah. Well, I say it's lessened, though. No, one of the things I want to, what was, what has happened, what happens is what I'm going to say happens, right? Is that when someone is not in your little group, right, you feel free to backbite them, slander them, yeah, uh, say bad things about them, right? Okay, you, you feel free to do all of that type of stuff. And I've seen it wrong. So I have to call out brothers on it. It's like, wait a minute, this guy's still a Muslim. It doesn't mean because he said this or done that or whatever, it's open season for you, right? Just to attack him and backbite him and slander him. It's not open season, bro. Mm. And this happens a lot, right? And that's not exclusive to the Salafis. Or I, I have seen this across the groups. And it's like when someone's in our group, we'll make excuses for him. Right. When he's not, we'll find any excuse to attack him and find any fault that we can expose him on. Also, oh, so you're saying that it's no longer maybe even restricted to sex. Or it never was, bro. That, that never was. It was like that's a, that. Now, are you saying that th these kind of things are happening now, even with like a collective of groups? Within yeah, the yeah. Same even within. So, like, okay. I give you an example, yeah, right? Not done. without mentioning any yeah, names, but name, yeah. <laughs> But without mentioning names, but, you know, people who are at loggerheads with each other are now together sharing information and working together. Yet now this group, yeah, feels happy to attack some guy who's not in that group and who sees things in a different way and a different perspective. And like, well, he thinks like that and he thinks like that and he's working with that and he's doing that. So it's open season to attack him, backbite him, slander him, say anything you want about him because... Bro, it's the same type of horrible stuff. But what if the evidence this time is abundantly clear? Because I know you can't, I think you may be alluding to one thing, but, but let's talk about right. it. Yeah, no, but no, no, bro, no, bro, bro that's fine. But then uh, stick to that issue, right? Stick to that issue. Say it in a precise, academic, yeah, yeah, correct way. Okay. Yeah, don't use it as an excuse to be sarcastic about your brother. Yeah, to mock him, right? To speak about him in a way that is simply not suitable. Why? No, fair enough. That's it. Just say the brother has this issue, right? He's got this and this. That's it. Snide comment here, this and that. But what, 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 what akhlaq is that? What adab is that? It's just, it's childish. It really is. Puerile. <laughs> what if this person... Yeah. There's no excuse to be sarky and narky about someone. Just, just be precise. Yes, if a brother's causing problems and he has issues and he's doing something wrong, let's talk about that issue. Why bring all this stuff in? It's just so... It's, so would that same rule apply to those who identify as Muslim from the Quillian Foundation? Yeah, I think so. Why? Why even adopt that as a manner of behaving? Why? Is that prophetic? How about someone as a, someone who's well-read in, in, in some of the traditions and, and, and the works of the scholars, they say that sometimes it's allowed to uh, curse no. and, 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 and curse and mock. I might, to be honest, bro, I'd rather take the Prophet as an example. That's the best one you're going to follow. Right? And they, they, the problem is, bro, like we have to learn that issue that scholars have their time, they have their place, that what they said, you have to put it in the... You can't necessarily take it as a general... Yes, they have overriding objectives, right? But if we take what that scholar said at that, like a brother mentioned to me, oh, well, Ahmed ibn Hanbal, he said this and that to his students about such and such, whatever, it doesn't matter. I said, but maybe he knew his students and he said that to them based upon their particular circumstances. It doesn't necessarily mean that you can then extract a ruling from it. Not that Ahmed ibn Hanbal is even a basis of making a ruling in the Sharia anyway. Mm -hmm. 
right? You can't supplant the sunnah with Ahmed ibn Hanbal, right? So you're saying someone identifies as a Muslim, mm. they are worthy and, and, and they, they need that right of respect. The honor, bro, the, honor. the honor of the Muslim is sacred. The Muslim is the one who's, from whose tongue and hands the Muslims are safe. <laughs> right? We can't. Otherwise, let's just say, well, you know, like the Rohingya or the Palestinian cause. Right? Well, they're flying this flag of nationalism. It's not the flag of Islam. Mm. Why should we support it? Because they are brothers. No, but it's all nationalism, bro. Nationalism is kufr, right? Well, and whoever calls for nationalism and whoever dies for nationalism calls and dies the death of Jahliya, yeah, right? Make, we make a distinction, though, isn't it? Between the awam and the nidaji, but your point is right. Do you understand what I'm saying, bro? Because you, you see where you end with all of this yeah, stuff. So let's just treat each other like brothers with respect and kindness and whatever. And even when we talk about someone amongst each other, let's do it in that way. With, you know, the, the spirit of nasiha and wanting to genuinely, and not as an excuse, because we just love to gossip and chit chat and you do you know, think you're making up for perhaps sometimes no, I'll be about this issue about that issue that Wait, I'm talking are you making up for the years where perhaps yeah. some of your Muslim brothers in the UK and the Dalsi weren't safe from your tongue no let me tell you something bro on this issue right you held it down even in the night no on this issue bro that I that I I really despise even when like bro, I'll, tell, I'll tell you something bro I remember when I first joined Jimass, I was sitting in a car with an unnamed group of senior brothers in yeah. the organization yeah and they were sitting there backbiting right brothers from Hizbut Tahrir and Ikhwan and I said what are you doing how can you talk about our brothers like that I felt literally like I'm literally sick like I wanted to puke <laughs> Right, and it was like, bro. It's like you know, if you got, if I got an issue with you over, you know, what, wh you know, whatever it may be, not having decent coffee or real coffee. Yeah, that's a serious issue, bro. Yeah. No, but like, even or, if or, I, or if I had an issue with you for choosing Hamza over me for the bot, right? Yeah, yeah, but that no, I mean, an issue with you over some some aqidah okay. minhaj issue, whatever. Right? Let's okay. just keep it to the discussion at hand. Let's keep it to the point at hand. I don't need to put you down as a person and start, you know, denigrating your and making fun of you and mocking you and, and making jokes about you and yeah. that are just not suitable. Why? That's, that's very interesting. Some fruitful thought, even for myself. The, the believer is the mirror of the believer, right? Of course. Before I move on to the next topic, there's something I need to get out of my head. Were you ever part of the Muslim Party of England? Or Muslim yeah, Party? yeah, the Islamic Party exactly. of Britain. Yeah, I was the founding member. I was the youth spokesman, you spoke being a proper youth in those days. Proper, bro. I, 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 and and, this, and so, where does that fall in the chronology of? your life because I met Brother David yeah that was pre Salafi days that was like early early I was a like almost a spanking new Muslim then you know just born like, do you remember David Pidcock yes I do David Musa Pidcock yeah yeah, you told me about that. I, yeah, I, didn't, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know. Yeah, yeah. So how did Sahib Mustaqim Blair and well, Sahib was a good friend of mine. Uh, he sort of mentored me for a bit, and he was doing amazing work. Like people probably just don't even know, but like I don't even know if Muslims would have. Muslim schools. Mm. The work that guy did mm. to fight for Muslims to have their own state-supported, funded schools was astronomical, bro. He was like battling that away back in the days before the internet and this and that. And this was a northern-based party, right? Am I correct? No, it wasn't. It was like from all over. Where was, where was the, the main UK. head office? Where was the main nucleus? In Birmingham. Birmingham. Okay. Yeah. And what made you join the Islamic Party of Britain? Well, as I was saying, I was Sahib Mustaqim Blair was he he was um, 
he ran this organization called Muslim Educational Services, and he was basically campaigning for Muslims to have state-funded, you know, schools like Jews and Christians did. Okay. Um, so I was working with him and that's it. He, you know, I was working with him and then he gave that up because he basically pretty much achieved what he wanted. Mm. And then with Dawood and his people he knew, they decided to form the Islamic party of Great Britain. So I was sort of by default, you know. What was the party's ideal objective to make Britain into an Islamic state? Just to get, yeah, I mean, I don't know. To be honest, it was to, it, it wasn't, it wasn't because Dawood, I mean, though, I had so many issues with it from the beginning, right? Like, like, first of all, I was extremely ambivalent about getting into politics, right? Um, even, even as a total freshie, a newbie, yeah. like, who knew very little, the idea of getting, in, like, for me, it was like just swimming in poo, right? Yeah. Like, politics is dirty, right? It's dirty by its nature, right? When you get into that, you're going to get dirty. Right. And everything for me seemed to contradict, like, first of all, you're seeking power. Secondly, it's all about putting other people down, right? Lying, you know, making promises that you're not going to keep. Like, what is Islamic about that? Right. And I thought, okay, maybe the Islamic party will be, of Britain will be different. And that lasted about two days, right? Then I started seeing the brothers doing the same things that I was talking about now, right? When one well-known brother disagreed with what, you know, the brothers were doing, then they started, bro, they started accusing him of being a Zionist, a Jew, maybe he's a, a secret Jew. He was a Zionist. Yeah, bro, like, I'm going, what the, what is going on? I'm sitting there thinking, what are you talking about? It was madness, right? I'm sitting there listening to this stuff. <laughs> it didn't last long, alhamdulillah, right? So how long um, were you the youth spokesman? I know, I lasted about six months, bro. Six like we months. had one, we had one press conference, right? We had a picture in the end of it, bro. I think for some brothers, it was just pure ego, bro. It was like an ego thing. It's like we are making history. And if I'm correct, the, the, the leadership of the Islamic party of Great Britain was predominantly white Caucasian? Yeah. Okay. So staying Dawood and uh and Sahib, Sahib Mustaqim Blair. And Dawood's ambition really, Dawood's main objective, he hated banks. Like yeah, he, he still does. Yeah, he he, you know, I think because him and or some friends of his were ripped off by banks and like, that was his his um his thing, he said, I don't really I'm not really into whether we establish Islamic law or not, yeah. but we've got to get rid of riba. Yeah, right? right. That yeah. was literally his one main drive. That's what he really cared about. See, I'm seeing um, so, so we have our very well respected and good brothers from Al Murabi Thun. Uh, kind of based in Norwich and their yeah. kind of focus is introducing the gold dinar and, and the gold silver currency yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. then you have the Islamic party of Great Britain who wanted to well, well, my brother David uh, Pitcock wanted to remove uh, interest based system yeah, right yeah. what is it with uh, white Caucasian Muslims and white to smash up the monetary system and this I don't know bro I don't I think that, that that's just the generalization bro I've that's a massive. You just take a little cherry picked a few examples, but I've never, and you but, just like no, no, no. But I'm just saying, bro. If there's any one trend amongst most white converts to Islam, is probably that they become Sufis. Most of them become Sufis, bro. They certainly did in the nineties. Like I would say, ninety percent of them um, became Sufis. Yeah, not, 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 you know. No, but our brothers in our brothers in Morabi Tun. Yeah, I'm they were different, they different level of Sufi. Yeah, different brother, they, they still yeah, old school Sufi, bro. Yeah, yeah, they still yeah. identify as Maliki. Uh, yeah, Maliki yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, but, yeah. There, but there was this strong emphasis on smashing up uh, the, the existing financial but system. But it's, a, it's, a, it's a tyranny, bro. 
the system is tyranny. If I, if you care about justice and you care about fairness, mm-hmm. right, and you care about the well-being of people, you will, and you look at the usurious economic mm-hmm. system, you realize what it is. It's a, it's a tool of, of, it's a, it's feudalism. It's all, in everything but thing. It's just a modern form of feudalism. That's it. And you've replaced the feudal lords with banks and lending institutions. Okay, I wasn't making a sweeping generalization. I, I, I don't want, yeah. I, I don't want uh, our white Muslims uh, to, to think that you know I was making a super generalization. But let me, okay, let me present this to you. Yeah. I'm just presenting scenarios and theories. I, I could be yeah. entirely wrong. Yeah? I wanted to ask you. Right? So when I made that kind of statement that you know what was it? I've noticed a trend about fixation with the monetary system or interest-based mm. system yeah. with a certain white Muslims that tend to be from a kind of middle, upper middle class background. Yeah. yeah. Would you say then, again, I'm just, I'm just throwing a theory out there. I'm not saying yeah. they are. Could that be from a position of privilege that, you know, yourself, you came from a, you know, a public school, uh, middle, upper middle. Do you fall within that bracket? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah? Some of the leadership of Islamic uh, Party of Great Britain also mm. did, yeah. As is some of our good brothers, respect Rafaat Muhammad Definitely. Yeah. So, so you, so essentially, you folk were speaking from a position of privilege that you had exposure, or you believed that you had an understanding of a particular system, mm. and therefore you wanted to smash that system down. Be it well, banks, be it the the, I, the monetary. System. I don't want to get into. I, I, I don't know. It's like um, I don't want to. Get into arguing about definitions, but I don't know. No, that, I, don't, I don't know. Having said that, I'm going to do that. But what do you mean by privilege, though? And if you mean being educated and being well informed and understanding the system properly, is that privilege or is that? Yeah, I mean, it's but, by default you do understand the system. Yeah, but privilege. Right. I, I'm, I'm a believer that privilege isn't necessarily anything bad. That's something that Allah's yeah, given you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I I agree. It yeah, is from the. It is definitely from a position. Like, there's no doubt that when I first became Muslim, my vitri- vitriolic, I think that's the right word, is, um, you know, he's just, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, vitriolic <laughs> against the West and the system and the whole system was very, very strong because my, my, you know, my understanding and realization of just how corrupt and unjust and hypocritical, that's the other thing. For me, it's the hypocrisy of it mm. that really you know, really guiles me is the hypocrisy of the whole system. Mm. You know, the way that human rights is just simply used as a dismissed at convenience, used as a batting ram at convenience, not something that as a system they really believe in. I, although I do believe there are people within the system who genuinely care about these things, mm. but the system doesn't. But the, the point, the point, I'm talking, the point I'm trying to make is that privilege in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's actually something you can't do anything about. If no, Allah, it's not. If, if Allah has ordained you to be, but I'm sorry. I mean, I don't want to. I'm not making comparison between you know uh, a thing, but the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu was privileged. He was from the, the most. Family, the best, the he was best from family. the noble family. The okay, he wasn't from the wealthiest, but he, in terms of his status, yeah, the most noble tribe. Yeah, of and and so was Dawood, and so was Suleiman, and so was Isa. In fact, right, they all came from a position. In fact, Allah chose messengers. From a position of privilege, because people tend, you know, tend to pay attention and, and take them a bit more seriously. So, do you think? I think I'm not saying definitively. Okay. So, yeah. you know, when you became Muslim and you became more prominent in the public scene in the Dawah yeah. scene, do you think that you were taken to more warmly by, let's say, Arabs and Asians because you were white? 
and that there was a fixation with white converts. Don't even try mm. telling me that's not true because I know people in the Gulf love white converts, especially white females. I, I'm not really, well, I don't, yeah, female is a different thing, but I'm not, honestly, I'm saying it sincerely that it's true and not true both at the same time. Okay, so tell me the, tell me the, tell me the yeah. truth about it. Tell me there the, are people who, you're right, there are people who. There's a fixation. There are, pe- there are some people who are fixated by it and there are others who are not. Others uh, are the opposite, right? We, uh, as many as as there were people who treated us well, and there were not many of us, there were many people who treated us really badly, and with with real contempt and suspicion. So it wasn't a one way street. Believe me, bro. You know, uh, people would accuse me of being an MI five spy. Um, you know, was that a common thing? Being an infil- it was common enough. Um, white new what do you know? You're a new Muslim. Okay. That was a lot. You, what do you know? Right? From, this is from the mouth of someone who doesn't even pray and somehow thinks that they're ordained paradise via their father's prayers, maybe, or something like that. Like the ignorance of it was incredible. So you challenge people about what do you know? Who are you to talk? You're just a new Muslim. Like you get a lot of that type of stuff, right? Um, so yeah, the, and there were people who were, um, and you can understand it. You can understand, like, because, because the West has a position of economic, social, political dominance that can't be denied, right? So, and, and the Islamic world is virtually at the bottom of the heap. Yeah. Bar, bar, I don't know. You know, like, I don't know, maybe the, 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 you say it, I'm not going to say it. Anyway, bar some, you know, some really, even some, you could say some primitive tribes, but even they will put them above yeah, yeah. Islam because they would say, well, at least they're in with nature. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. So the Muslims are literally. So it's not really surprising, like historically, like it's not surprising that um, when someone comes from this dominant social, political, you know, class or country, and, and especially if they come from the upper echelons of that society. And they, you, jo- and they happen to join a faith group, which in this country is dominated is, by what's perceived as Yeah, so immigrant. you might be a bit, you might be a bit, like, amazed by it. Like, I would still be, to be honest. Like, if, if I'm trying to think of an example, but, you know, when a, when a sportsman or a movie star, you still get like, wow, you know, like, wow, you left Hollywood to become a Muslim, you left all that singing. Like, you're not surprised in the sense that, Islam is so beautiful when you find it, alhamdulillah. But still, you realize it's a, it's a lot of, because you have to realize that when you become Muslim, you're giving up that privilege. And that's why I said it's, it's a, like, yes, there are Arabs who respect you, but there is just as many who treat you with complete contempt. Like, you became Muslim. Like, it's almost like, you what? You silly. You know, like, why would you do something like that? Almost like that. Like, oh yeah, you're, you're what, you're with those, you're with us now. So they just treat you with just like, with the same abuse. They treat every other Muslim, you know. Um, so so there's that as well. So so it's it's not all privilege and glory and being being treated like Honestly, definitely not. Definitely not. Okay. So, so I, I have also seen, because I have no statistics, no data. To because I'll give you an example, right? I mean, I don't know. Would you, is it because white? Not necessarily. You look at someone, I, I, I think you so. like Siraj Wahaj, you look at Bilal Phillips, no, those no, no, people are it's revered, it's they are honored just as much. I would they, say, they, they are, yeah. but it's, an inferiority, but that, it's but, an inferiority complex, which yeah. I feel that many Muslims, well, specifically Asians and Arabs, yeah? Mm. No, I agree. Um, yeah, that, that there's this fixation. But it's, it's not the yeah, yeah. Javon Ridley, Lauren Booth, Abdurrahim Green, Yusuf Chambers, uh, you know, Sinead O'Connor, Sonny B. Williams. It's just, it's just a whole, oh, mm. just a lot of oh, around you guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, it exists, all right. Yeah, 
That's it. That's, that's what I want. Yeah, it's, it's definitely there. Yeah. Where do you it's, think? It's not surprising. Okay. And, and I think it's an inferiority complex. Yeah. I think is that for the best part of two to three hundred years, the Muslim majority world, the Islamic world, has been dominated by uh, people that look like you. Mm. Um, maybe without the beards. So the, the colonialists used to have beards as well. No mustaches. Mm. And and they are master in it. Um, our master, we were their tea boys. Mm. They and, and and therefore they, it's been so ingrained within our psyche, as you rightly yeah. said, that there is a dominance of white European Western Westerners. That you can't help but just be wowed by whenever someone accepts accepts Islam. Yeah, yeah, absolutely on point. But what comes with that at times, mm. I feel, uh, is that there then in turn is a is a feeling that. From some white prominent converts, mm. yeah, or new Muslims, or people who who accepted Islam, mm. is that some of the culture, some of the way Islam is practiced by, let's say, Arabs and Asians, mm. is backward, is regressive, mm. uh, you know, it's cultural, mm. and there is an element. So in the same way that that guy who didn't pray said, yeah. "What do you know?" Yeah. At the same time, there's also an element of, "What the hell do you guys know?" You're yeah. only following what your forefathers have found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I'm, I'm, I'm born from that. Yep. Born from that, I'm yep. now seeing that there is a massive new discussion about the need for a indigenous kind of cultural Islam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That you know, whilst I'm a white Caucasian English British Muslim, there should be elements of my urf which should be a part of the way yeah. I understand my deen. Do you feel that there is a danger or there should be some parameters around that? <laughs> Okay, I mean, I've, I've done a whole talk on this, right? I, I totally get what you're saying, right? Um, and um, do you ever say be a complex? Do you yourself ever? Think yeah, that, possibly. That, that I, 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 one of the things I realise about myself, uh, it's interesting that when when I was in uh, working in the London Central Mosque, the kids would ask me, you know, when I was giving a tour of the mosque, like, what's the most hard thing you found about becoming Muslim? And I would say. Um, well, well, now there's a word for it, white privilege. It's yeah. giving up white privilege. Yeah. But I didn't, there wasn't that word then. I would say, well, trying to, I'm just trying to remind myself that I'm just an ordinary human being. I'm not special because I'm a white guy who become Muslim, right? Yeah. Like that whole superiority complex, that whole, it is like so deeply ingrained. I can't like it, you know, like I could go back to my public school days and start talking about how we used to talk about and think about other people. Um, but um, I think for me, like, I don't want to talk about anyone else, but I'll talk about me, hey, right? Where are you? I, I have a, I would say, like, I look at this in a sort of scientific, sort of more scientific way, okay. right? I think that, like, generally, I think that culture, even things that we might call bad culture, is generally a response to one's environment, right? So it's a, it, it, it's, it's a sort of, it's a sort of um, a codification of things that help you survive. And they may not always help you survive, but it's what people think is going to help them survive in any environment. So culture is very much influenced by the place you live, the circumstances you live. So when we talk about culture, often we talk about food, mm. right? Because it's the food that people have and what they cook with is from their culture. But that goes to many, many other things. The relationship between men and women, the construct within families, uh, marriage, whether it's weddings. marriage, weddings, but also hierarchy in families, yeah. how matriarchal or patriarchal, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, w within the Muslim world, we have matriarchal societies. We have very matriarchal societies in the Muslim world, right? It's not patriarchal. We have some that, it, that are extremely patriarchal as well. That variety exists. So from my position is, I think it's confusing. Which part of the Muslim world is matriarchal? Like, 
bro, a lot of African countries, they're very matriarchal, bro. Actually, quite matriarchal, right? Okay. So, like, I don't want to generalize, but parts of Nigeria, for example, they're actually very matriarchal, not patriarchal. Like, you may not think that, but it actually is, right? So, um, so the point being is that what I have an issue with, I have an issue with people trying to impose their cultural values. And when I say cultural values, I mean a set of values that were very useful in a particular environment. Mm. And then you bring them to another country in another environment and you think that they're going to work in the same way. And, but, and I'm only saying this from the point of view, bro, of being a part, you know, being a speaker in colleges and universities, right? And many Bengali, Pakistani, Arab kids coming to me, complain to me about, you know, their parents, their attitudes, their, to all of these things, right? And the kids being super confused, right? Because they have all these cultural expectations that you're going to marry your cousin from back home in Pakistan. So my position is, that's not a problem back home in Pakistan. And that system works there. It works really, really well. And you can see it works really, really well. But when you come, you've come to England and then you just think that everything from there is going to work in the same way. And it doesn't because it clearly doesn't like it really, there's too many problems with it. We have to wake up and understand. There are the some, cult- su- there are some yeah, success. There, of course there are. Of some course way- there are. But all I'm saying, bro, is that, it's a different culture. You're in a different country, a different environment. And inevitably, there's going to be a British Islam. I don't mean in the sense that it's some, you know, different, but in the same way, the flavor of Islam in Malaysia is different from the flavor of Islam in, in Saudi Arabia and from Afghanistan. So what's the red line then? There has to be a red line. We can't have a, we can't have a British Islam, American Islam, Saudi Islam. Islam is Islam. But, but, but it's not, it is and it isn't, bro. It's just this monolithic idea that Islam is just this thing. It's, like, it, it has this amazing ability to adapt itself to different. That's part of why Islam is so amazingly successful. But, but, but the, but the connotation that it has in today's context. Yeah. British Islam, American Islam. Yeah, yeah, that, that's been politicized. Exactly. There's no doubt, bro. Yeah, it's, right. it's, it's an attempt to politicize and manipulate how people are for a political, uh, for political reasons. Thrice, but we don't necessarily have to conform to that, bro. We so, don't necessarily. And we're going to get to conformity, but the point I just want to make yeah. is that throughout Islamic civilization history, we know that the way Islam was practiced in Maghreb, in Andalus, in Sham, in the Khalij, in, in the Indus of was different. Right? Different right. in the sense that they had their own respective indigenous cultures and norms and etc. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the imposition of and, and, and this kind of expectation to conform. So now when we talk about a British Islam or an American Islam, there's there's these kind of stipulations which are not Islamic. Now, for example, in, in, they were discussing only two years ago that people should swear off to the armed forces if you work in a public service, mm. right? Or that masajid, <laughs> crazy states, only been specified to mosques, not synagogues or churches, have to swear an oath yeah. of allegiance to the armed forces. And this is a type of British Islam. So the point I'm trying to make is... But the irony is, bro, who's constructing these things, bro? The irony is, well, it's not... It's, not, it's Well, but they're... they're <laughs> As far as I know, bro, is this being produ- is this what is being encouraged by some white converts? No, that's something to think about. But the point about the white converts I was trying to make is, bro, it's the same inferiority complex. That's all it is. It's people who have no real self-respect, no sense of isa, mm. no sense of real confidence about um, the strength of their deen, right? 
the strength of the ummah, right? They don't have that, right? They just, they're just trying to get on with their, you know, comfortable lives and keep their life as comfortable as possible, yeah. which I don't, even I don't want to blame people for that, right? You know, like you want to have a comfortable life. Who doesn't want to have a comfortable life, right? It's horrible to have all of these accusations made against you and your community and, you know, like forget sticks and stones will break my bones. Words will never hurt me. It's almost the other way around. It's like throw sticks and stones at me and break my bones, but don't hurt me with your words. Mm -hmm. You understand? It's like, almost the opposite and people know that right so i i mean i don't want to be too condemning mm. not that i don't agree with that at all it's like you said as you pointed out it's absurd in the degree no mosque has to no synagogue has to do it no church has to do it we have to do it. it's well we don't well, and, we and no one said we do like who are these people who have been rolled out bro it comes from the same inferiority complex it comes from the same lack of confidence in, in oneself right but, but it's also rolled out by the same muslims that you say that deserve us to speak about and respectfully it's coming out from those muslims that we but no i didn't say that bro i just said let's be academic about it let's let's talk about the issue at hand Let, we don't need to mock them because even these people are doing these things let's say Right, however misguided they are, they're doing it for a genuine sense of caring about their community, wanting people to live a life of ease and, and like people yeah. came from very, very tough, like, like tough on a level you and me can't imagine. I'll say that to Sarah Khan when I see her eat three thousand pound paycheck. Anyway, but you are, yeah, right. I mean, you are right. But but the point here yeah. is, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna conclude today's podcast on on, on just on this topic. Right, there's mm. this emerging debate. That's taking place online, right? Now, I know that you're not online much unless you're on Instagram or something. Yeah. But there is this emerging debate that's taking place between academics and activists. Yeah. And what's seen as traditionalist scholars, right? Yeah. And there seems to be an accusation from the camp of the academics. And these academics are like anti-racism, uh, critical race theory, mm. um, you know, I'm, a, I'm a studying white supremacy and these kind of things that mm. there's a increasing and worrying number of traditional scholarship or traditional mm. scholars. Some of them or many of them happen to be white converts that dismiss things like, uh, you know, white supremacy, white privilege, black lives matter, yeah. uh, institutional racism, structural racism and stuff like this, because mm. You know, they might just write it off by saying, you know, there's family issues, a family breakdown within blacks. And, you know, they belittle the the kind of oppression, mm. systemic oppression uh, that's that's been taking place specifically against black Muslims yeah. and blacks generally. And that this I, this mentality was born, again, out of mm. white privilege. Have you been exposed to this debate? I know what you're talking about. Yeah. What's your thoughts? Some concluding thoughts on this? I, I know it's a massive topic. And it's I, a very big topic. Um, does white privilege sometimes, or does being coming from a certain socio-political economic background make you less understanding of other people's reality? I, 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 yes. I mean, obviously it does. How right? Unless you're, unless you're an, unless you have, unless you are an extreme empath, you know, you're, uh, that you have that ability to put yourself very, very strongly in someone. I'll give you an example. <laughs> Like I always think of the example, right? <laughs> I remember me and Abdul Haq Baker were coming back from a talk in Wales. I actually remember it really well. We arrived at my house at one thirty in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, right? Yeah. The talk finished late, and as we were driving up, this is in Wandsworth, right? Driving up between the commons, very posh area in yeah. London, right? Driving up the road, yeah. The police, I think they were just literally. I don't know if they're waiting for us or just waiting for anybody, yeah. Um, pulled us up, and actually, I literally stopped outside my house. 
right? The police pulled us up. These guys have been asleep. I don't know, whatever. Where have you come from? This and that, whatever, right? And where do you live? I said, right here. Like they thought I was taking the mickey, yeah? These guys, these policemen, they were so tired and so whatever, they'd left the handbrake off their car. And as as they were, you know, like giving us the once over, their car started rolling down the hill. So these guys went running. It was like a comedy from a comedy show. These guys went running off. And I joined them to help them, to help them, yeah. right? And Abdul Haq stood there with his arms folded, looking at them like they were literally like cockroaches, like looking down at them, like whatever, right? This like I just remember his stance, like looking down. Like, There's a reason for his stance, right? Yeah, yeah, looking at them like that. So I, like after the whole thing had finished, I said, bro, like, why didn't you help? And he said, and then he basically told me what it was like to be a black kid, right, in Brixton, and what they, how they were treated by the police. And it was like, for me, I always looked at the police as these are the guys who are, they're, they're boys in blue, like literally the boys in blue, Our right? Boys in blue. Our boys in blue. Like if I got worried and I saw a biker gang, I'd look, where's the policeman? Like he's the guy who's going to help me. I've never, like even when I've been arrested, like what well, I haven't been arrested many times, but like once a while, I still like, you know, have no, like, yeah, these guys are doing it's their job. Yeah, 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 exactly. Even when I get stopped in the, in the airport and whatever, it's like, yeah, you guys are doing your job and this and that. And like my experience is totally 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 different right um and my attitude is totally totally different i don't come from the point of view of feeling like i'm oppressed by the police right so i think honestly that um just the, when just when the, people like yeah when people like these guys you these scholars you're talking about and they say that you know they they come from the point of view of having no real idea what it's like to be in that position it's like you some you can't you know, like when Mo- when Musa came down from the when came down, this is like Subhanallah, right? Maybe he's not the same as bro. Yes, bro. Can you imagine? And Allah is telling you, your people are doing this and that, and he's carrying the, the when he sees it, he drops it, right? So it, you know, you can hear it. Like I, you know, these guys can hear all they like about Black Lives Matter, this and that, and what. Unless you literally in some way, shape or form, experience that, you're not really going to know. And then when you're advising people, you're going to come from the perspective of, you know, your perspective of, you know, you've got to be empowered, you know, don't, don't, you know, because I guess from that almost privileged position, uh, and no, and I know that, like, I know I have backup in the sense that, you know, like in my life, like I could sort of be poor because at the end of the day, I could go and live with my mum if I wanted to, and she has a nice house, and I'm really afraid at the back of my head that I'm never, ever going to have anything, right? And I could live in a squat, because I know that, you know what, I can still go and stay with my mum, you know? Like, it's not really... So I think from the the point of view of that whole mentality, you're trying to say to your brothers, oh, like, why are you taking this? Because it comes across as being... Condescending? No, no, no. It comes across as being like a very negative approach to things. I've been oppressed. I've been, it's a victim, what they call the victim mentality, right? It's the thing they use. I've been oppressed. I've been this. I'm a victim. I'm a that. And I guess a lot of the, you know, the, the psychology these days, the people encourage people not to be victims, right? To be proactive, to believe you can change. Yeah. And don't keep blaming your past for how, and I actually, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm, I can't think any other way. I just don't, because maybe the past doesn't weigh in my head like that. I I have no experience. If you're going to tell me, no, you have no idea how my past affects my personality and how it makes me. The entire argument is that the past is still present. 
Yeah, it is. Those systems and institutions. Yes, no, it is. But I think what people, I think, look, from the point of view, from the point of view of, you know, sharing that same white privilege position, right? I would say that people need to look at it more as the scholar in this case, he's trying, honestly, I believe it. He is trying to, he's not trying to put people down. He's not trying to belittle their experience because I genuinely don't believe he's that sort of person, right? He is trying to, from his perspective, empower people and say, take the route of empowerment. Don't play the, because, well, you said it, bro, your dad. Sorry if to bring your dad into the podcast. Yeah. yeah. What did your dad do? So my dad was. Tell, you tell me when he was, you tell me what you told me about your dad. So when we, he got called a packy. Yeah, he bad he bad his own teammate. Yeah. And what then what, what happened? He respected me then that guy who insulted my father Don't call him. me a packy. Yeah. You don't know what we've been through. You ruled us for three hundred years. Yeah. Like you understand what I'm saying? Bro? And his own teammate bad in the changing rooms. You know what I mean, bro? And he yeah. respected him from that day yeah. There you go. So uh, you tell me what's the route to take. Like, you tell me what you really think is going to get the Muslims empowered. Is it going to be more, you know, going on about our past or we're even not, our present or even even the institutional racism and this and that? I, I don't know, bro. I, don't, I, I, I am not really convinced that complaining about all of this stuff and making a big issue out of it is going to change anything. What you need to do is you need to move in there and you need to make the changes and you need to change people's viewpoints. That's what you really need to do. And I'm not sure you do that by complaining a lot about, you know, what is your present reality or what the past is in the sense that you understand. Like obviously, you have to highlight it. Anyway, bro, I'm not, I'm not going to academic on these things. I'm not, I'm just talking from the point of view of, I'm thinking how that brother must be thinking. Mm. Yeah. And he may be completely wrong. And he, he just may be not able to empathize. Like I, like had no idea. Like to Abdul Haq told me, it was like, Oh my God. Right. It never even crossed my mind, you know? So it's not, don't think it's like, you know, the guy is some like, it's just, you know, we, sh- that's what I'm talking about. We need to have a little bit more uh, respect for each other, even for our, each other's weaknesses, right? Mm. Respect my weaknesses and my deficiencies. Like, it doesn't mean because I say a whole load of stuff that I'm vicious and that I don't care about you mm. and that I don't care about what you're going through. Yeah, I do. But maybe I just giving, you know, my advice from what I think could be useful from my perspective and I could be completely wrong. You know, maybe the way to go is to highlight these things and, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not that, I don't really know how we change society, but to tell you what, bro, when push comes to shove, the only way we're going to change these things is by inviting people to Islam because the rest of it is just chat, chat and talk, talk. One very last question before we close the podcast. Yeah. I remember one of the mottos of Aira was, I yeah. don't know if it still is the motto, yeah. it, was, it was the citing of the hadith yeah. that every household, yeah. Islam will enter every household, yeah. even through a hair. There's another narration. Yeah, even if it's made of hair. Even if it's or, made of hair. Yeah, mud or hair. Uh, yeah. Do you like think... A tent, do, tent is made okay, of hair. So, so as someone, and you cited examples from the series throughout this podcast, yeah. do you think that reality can happen? I do. The, f- like, yeah. the fulfillment of mm. that hadith, that prophecy can happen in the absence of an Islamic civilization or state mm. or entity or... Because if you compare... That's the, a good question. Because if you compare the Dawah in Mecca, mm. the, the 13 years in Mecca, was, you know, and the numbers there and the numbers after Medina. Yeah. I think the thing is, bro, what you, I think what you do is, in the from our perspective as Ayurah, it's, it's, it's like a vision that you Forget have. Forget about Ayurah. Just, yeah. just your understanding of that hadith. Forget about Ayurah. 
any any DAO organization, mm-hmm. not even IE, right? The fulfillment of that hadith, yeah. can it happen in the absence of an entity? Can it happen? Uh, it's possible. Will it happen? Is it is it really likely? You know, maybe you're right, possibly not. But again, the point is, is that nothing operates in a vacuum. The Prophet sent Mu'ad ibn Ja'ab, sent Mus'ab ibn Umair, yeah. right, to Medina. And from what I remember, by the time he left, there was not a household in Medina except that someone had accepted Islam. That laid the groundwork, right, for what was to come afterwards for the Prophet Sallallahu Was that after or before the... It was before. The Nusra. Yeah, no, that was before the Prophet made Hijrah. Before the Prophet made Hijrah, he had sent Mus'ab ibn Umair to Medina. After the first pledge of... Uh, after the first, yes. first bayah, yeah. the Prophet sent Mus'ab to Medina. And his dawah in Medina, like... Uh, they, that's what one of the things they said that like there was a, every house someone had become Muslim. Mm. So the point being is that had laid that foundation. Yeah. And then after that, we know there was the, you know, the, the, the first society, the first the Islamic governance, whatever you want to call it, society or state or whatever, it doesn't society. matter. Society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, look, what you, look what you've done to us. Yeah. We can't yeah. even say the or word the, caliphate or state. Or the nation we state. Use, well, we, because the nation state is a We have to use you know, entity and governance and all these yeah. other funny words. The first, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, whatever it was, but whatever you want to call it, but. Yeah, that, and that from that obviously came what we know. So I think that if you yeah. were if you were a betting man, which I know you're not, yeah, and and and, 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 and the hadith yeah. was to be fulfilled, yeah, uh, in in a modern reality, and you were a betting man, do you think it, will, it, it is most likely to happen when there is a civilizational backing to the da'wah? I actually, I, I I'm going to be uh, or, or pockets of groups. I haven't, to be honest, you're putting me, asking me a question that I haven't thought really deeply about recently. Okay. But I do think, I, uh, and I'm not, I do genuinely think that the world is in a, what I genuinely think is the world is in a position where it could happen. I think we have the opportunity in terms of travel, communication, um, and an increasing openness that I think it's possible for it to happen. Uh, if the effort is put there, what the quality of people would be. That's a whole different issue. And on that note, we bring an end to this podcast. Uh, usually, with our guests, I offer them an arm wrestle or a thumb wrestle. But your maqam to me and this podcast is too high. Alhamdulillah. It's saving one I couldn't challenge one Like a man has been back yeah. and I'm going to tell him, what am I going to say? Don't yeah. an arm wrestle. Yeah. I mean, it's not fair. But however, there is one thing you do have to try. Yeah. There's three offers. So basically, right, okay. the inspiration of this podcast comes from, yeah. you know, when the Sahaba went out. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and they said, look, you know, accept Islam pages yeah. or it's war. Yeah. So it's either arm wrestle, thumb or we eat pawn. I love pawn, bro. Give me some pawn. Bring it on, bro. I haven't had pawn for ages. Wicked. Oh, so you've had it before. Yeah, man. Oh, and I love it. But it's just a long, long time. But can you leave out the beetle nuts because they chip your teeth and they're not good for you? I don't even live. Aren't they a drug as well? No, it's not a drug. What's this? I don't know. I'm just worried about beetle nuts. But anyway, go on then. No, no, no. Do you know the third person that said that? As if I'm going to feed you an intoxicant live on my podcast. Why would I do such a thing? This is rose petal, so it's sweet. I've not made it. You've got to know some syrup for me. No, so you've obviously you 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 you're used to having the Pakistani sweet pond, isn't it? Okay, okay. This is a Bengali pond, which is a bit more bitter. Right, I know that's fine. Yeah, and if you if you if you start seeing yourself in a ship or a boat, know that maybe it wasn't permissible in the first place. Chef, <laughs> mm. That's lovely. Thank you for coming on. 
The mm. honor was truly mine. Mm. Mm. Donald Colopic. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, that's all for today. For our viewers from North America, uh, if you want to listen to this podcast, uh, subscribe to the Mad Mom Looks. In fact, anyone who wants to listen to this podcast on the audio platform, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, that's all on the Mad Mom Looks. And for those of you watching the UK and Europe, subscribe to the Five Pillars YouTube channel. Leave a comment. doesn't have to be a positive comment. Uh, just leave a comment, like, share the video, and I'll see you next week. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Black Burma's podcast of Five Pillars and Mad Monarchs production.